You're listening to the podcast of Real Life Church. We love, we live, we relate. is that we get to just do, have fun. We get to be family. We get to do the presence of God. We get to do the releasing of God in the most amazing way. And that is the most important thing that we, we have to do. Mark, Candice, John, and do you have anything to share before we carry on? Absolutely. Sure. Fantastic. So, for the <clears throat> Lord, let us have fun this morning. Let us enjoy your presence. Let us reveal and revel in your glory won't you pour out your anointing and your blessing and your favor on on each and every every one of us as we go from an acts one group of people to an acts three group of people in your beautiful name amen how many of you don't know what it means to go from an acts one to an acts three person it's a trick question yeah so that's what we've been showing over the over the past couple of weeks so Lord, fasten your seatbelts. Let's enjoy this morning. Actually, verse 1. Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in a 3 o'clock prayer service. How many of you want to be spiritual people? How many of you are spiritual people? How many of you want to become more spiritual? Fantastic. So Peter and John, they went. Trace, they got up and they went. <laughs> no condemnation, says Nancy. To take part, so they, they, they got up, they made the effort, they went to take part in something that had been planned. They went to take part in corporate, they went to take part in community, they went to take part in a prayer service. And you know that they are spiritual, you know that they're hungry for supernatural, when you take time out of your day to pray. So I'm trusting that if you say, yes, I'm spiritual, I'm supernatural, I want more, that you are taking time out of your day to pray. And it's just like amazing that the, the, the glory and the sunshine is coming in. You know that you are supernatural when you take time out of your day to engage in a corporate meeting. You know that you are spiritual and you are growing when you take time out of your routine and out of your diary and out of your work to be able to take part in corporate connecting and be able to do something together. So Peter and John at three o'clock, they went to the temple, to the prayer meeting to go and pray. Verse two, as they approached the temple, a man lame from birth was being carried in. Each day he was put beside the temple gate, the one called beautiful. So he could beg from the people to go into the temple. And when he saw Peter and John enter the temple, he asked him for money. And Peter and John looked at him intently and said, look at us. There's something profound when Peter says, look at us. Because by default, this man wasn't looking at them. And I think we as people, and there are so many folk who get stuck in a moment. They get stuck in a moment of shame. They get stuck in guilt or condemnation that Nantu reminded us about a moment ago. They get stuck because they don't see what God is doing. They get stuck in their situation. They get stuck in their circumstances. They get stuck in the, in the fact that they may feel helpless or unloved or unworthy. That they're not fit maybe to go into the temple. So they hang around on the outside of the temple. They hang around on the outside of the church because for some reason... They don't believe that they are worthy to be looked at. 
and so they don't even look up. They're not looking at Peter and John as they go into the temple, because I would suggest that, that even for this layman, he's stuck in a sense of, this is who I am, this is my identity, I don't have what everybody else has. And my worry, friends, is there are so many people in our communities, there's so many people in our churches who can't look at other people because they have a sense of bad identity, of shame, of guilt. They haven't made it. They're not worthy. They're not right. They don't look at themselves and see the love of Jesus in them or over them. They can't look and see vision and hope and a future. How many people can't even see themselves fitting into a church because a church will not look at them? They can't look at God because they don't believe that God is looking at them. And so Peter has to say to this layman, won't you look up and look at me? Take your eyes off the ground, take your eyes off groveling, take your eyes off where you've always been and focus in on me. In verse 5 to 7, the layman looked at them eagerly. Maybe when somebody looks at somebody who feels like a second-class citizen, a second-class believer, somebody who's caught up in a religious spirit instead of one of freedom of love and joy, and somebody says, won't you look at me? And he looked up eagerly, but he was expecting something else. He was expecting money. And Peter said, I don't have silver and gold, but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ, get up and walk. And then Peter took the layman by the right hand and helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. He jumped up, stood up, and began to walk. Then walking and leaping and praising God, he went into the temple. He went into fellowship. He went into community. He went in to what God had always had in store for him. And Addison said this morning that even as we go out into, into Alberton with a gathering church next week to go and release the supernatural, you don't have to say, I, I, I've got it. It's when you release it. They prayed. They said to the layman, give me your hand. Get up and walk. And as they did that, as the layman stood up, his healing came. And so next week as we go do soul art and prophetic art and pray for people, it's to step out. And as you step out, the healing, the breakthrough, the anointing, the favor, the encounter, the releasing will come. That's my guarantee. So here is this moment. And Peter and John are on their way to pray. They're on their way to go pray corporately. And they see this man who's been lame from birth. But instead of giving them money, what Peter says is intriguing and insignificant because they haven't done spiritual art training before. They haven't done any of this before. And he says, but what I have, I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ. And I said before that we can't give what we don't have. Excuse me a second. And the amazing thing is, so, so Peter looks at this lame man and he says, silver and gold I can't give you, but what I have, I give you. Now, but, so, so for me, Peter and, and John understood that they, one, they had something to give. But two, they had something of worth. They had something of value. Do we believe that we have just got something of Holy Spirit or do we believe that the Holy Spirit we have has value? 
that there's something powerful, that there's something beautiful, that there's something extraordinary in the Holy Spirit in me, in my divine union with Him, that I, it, is, it is valuable, it is worth you having, it is worth me giving. I would suggest that most people don't go and release and give because they don't think what they have is that worth it, is that worthy, is that valuable. It's, it's only stew. No, let John pray for the people. Let Anne pray for the people. No, let Nantu go pray for the people because they're far more supernatural. I can see the value of what they have, but the value of what I carry, but what you carry is Holy Spirit. What you carry is supernatural. What you carry is the undiluted, authentic, full and complete power of the resurrected Jesus Christ in you. I would suggest that too many people don't understand the value and the worth of what they carry, of who they are and whose they are. So who wants a rand? Who wants a hundred rand? Fantastic. Already, you know, Bernie, come get it. You know, if we say who wants a rand, like two, two, you know, two, two hands go up. Somebody... For a hundred rand, a lot more hands go up. You know, it's like, you know, what are, we, what, what are you expecting? What are you expecting from the person who's praying for you? What are you expecting, what are you expecting from, from Sunday morning? What are you expecting from God? I'm only worth one rand or I'm worth a million rand. And when you give, are you giving the crumbs under the table or are you giving the full, undiluted, beautiful fullness of God? So Peter goes from Acts 1 of staring into heaven, of being confused about the supernatural, of being confused about signs, wonders, and miracles, of being confused about the, the value of what they have, to being an Acts 2 person, encountering Holy Spirit. So I've got something. I've received the Holy Spirit. I am empowered. I speak in tongues. I can do all these most amazing things. Everything I've seen, I now experience, I now believe. To, and what do we do with that? We move from Acts 2 to Acts 3, where we release it. So friends, we need to stop looking out there with confusion. Can I do prophetic art? Can I heal the sick? Can I cast out demons? Can I prophesy? Can I call in favor? Can I break off soul ties? Can I heal the sick? Can I raise the dead? We need to stop operating and my desire is that we move from a state of confusion. Can I do this or can't I? To you can do this. Let the moment and the power of Holy Spirit come upon you so that you know that you can do it. You experience the undiluted raw power of heaven that you have a God counter, that you have a God moment. And when you have that, you don't just get full and then fat and then lazy but you use that to release it into the community and all that Holy Spirit has for us. And so what happened? I, I would imagine that, that, that uh, Peter and John's friends are going, who on earth is this dude? Where did he get that from? How did he know how to do that? You know? But the reality is neither Peter nor John had done this before. I would suggest that they were, they were at that age where they were still backing to grow a beard, let alone grow a movement or to do something. In most of our circles, they'd be too young to be considered leaders. We wouldn't put faith or trust or confidence in these teenagers. That had, but so what, what happened between Acts 1 and Acts 3 that allowed these teenagers with a bit of 
bum fluff on their upper lip to be able to go forward and do something amazing. To be able to take a man by the hand and release the power of God. The answer is God happened. God is not just something that we sing about. God is just not the title of most songs that we have. God is not a religious ritual that absolves us on a Sunday morning for all the things that we so-called failed to do or didn't do or maybe did do badly during the course of the week. The Spirit of God actually happens to people. God encounters P Peter and Peter encounters God. There was an encounter that happened in Peter's life in Acts 2 where he was able to get up and go and preach a message. And I don't even think it was the most profound message. I, I still cannot find the podcast. It was not recorded on YouTube. And yet Peter goes and shares this message and the result is 3,000 people get up and follow Jesus. That's what happens when God happens. What happened to Peter? God happened. What happened to Mark? God happened. What happened to Ali? God happened. What happened to Lorna? God happened. What happened to Brechi? God happened. When people see the testimonies that start to come, they go, what on earth happened to that group of people? What on earth happened to Caesar? You say, God happened. Look at the testimony. Look at the people that are following Jesus. Look at the signs, wonders, miracles. Look at the change, because the change happens when God happens. Amen. I think what, hap what most believers need is just God to happen in their lives. You know, I, I'm not saying that with, with, with malice or disrespect. What, what needs to happen to me is I need more God happening. I will do far more when I let God happen more in my life. Um, and I think there's just too many believers who, who, who just don't let God happen. For the Spirit to God to come upon us, to empower us, to recognize and release the power that we've never done, done before. I think of Moses. Remember Moses. Moses killed a man. Okay, so we're not on to a good start at this stage. So here we have Moses, and we look at Moses, and we think, oh, I just love the dude. But Moses goes off, and he kills a man, and then he wanders away from God for 40 years. And so far, this, t this story is just not going well. But then God happens. God happens to Moses through a burning bush. And that power, that thing where God happens to Moses, allows Moses to rise up and to lead. And he led two million Israelites into their inheritance. He was able to have a God encounter and lead two million people into their identity. Two million people became sons and daughters. Two, many peoples became, two million people became brothers and sisters. And nobody saw that over Moses' life, but God happened. And his nation and his life was changed forever. God, won't you happen? I think of David, a young shepherd boy who probably was also battling to grow a beard. He doesn't get an invitation to the party. His brothers get an invitation and go off to a party, but he's the, he's the type of teenager that gets ignored and gets left behind. He's not included. And yet he goes and he shows up in the battle where his brothers are too fearful to take on a giant. And David rises up and says, let me have my moment. 
let me have a go. Why? Because God happened. David encountered God. I think of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, taken captive from their family and taken, brought into a pagan empire. I think for many believers, we give up because we think we are involved in a, pag in a pagan institution. We are involved in a pagan society. We may even think we're involved in a pagan nation. I'm telling you, you're not. But too many people get taken out of their family and put into an environment that is counterculture to them. And they stood there and they stood up for God in spite of everything around them. And then what happened? God happened. And they encountered God in such a way that the kings around them changed. I think of Nehemiah. It says the hand of God came upon Nehemiah. What happened to Nehemiah? God happened. There are so many Old Testament men and women who walked in the power of God. But what happened in the book of Acts is unique. It is different. It is unrivaled. Because what happened in the Old Testament is that things happened to Moses and Nehemiah. Things happened to Daniel and to David. Things happened to people every now and then. There was a moment where God happened. But friends, the beauty, the beauty of the new covenant, the beauty of what you and I have is that we don't just live from a God happened moment to a hopefully another God happening moment. What happened to them is available and accessible to anyone, anywhere, and at any time. Because God has poured out His Spirit on all flesh. So we don't just need a moment. We have that moment anywhere, everywhere, at any moment, at any time. And it is accessible to each and to every one of us. So Peter and John are fumbling and stumbling into a new reality. The whole universe has shifted. They have ex they, they've heard and they've read about moments of God happening. And now they're realizing that actually this is my moment. And I can do this all day, every day. And so they take a layman by the hand and they release the power of God. Whose hand are you going to take this week? Into whom are you going to release the power of God? And because they stepped out, not in training and equipping, they stepped out in the power of God, they were able to take a layman by the hand. And as they stepped over the chicken line, as they stepped out in action, the power was released and this layman stood and became healed and whole. And he went into community praising God. The testimony that happens is that when that lame man went back home, when that lame man went everywhere, everybody would have asked him, what on earth happened to you? And they were able to say, I had a God encounter. Uh, da, 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 da. I've got like insects at my, at my legs, sorry. Ba, ba, ba. There is a way that Jesus is revealed, there's a way that the power of God is revealed in you and through you that cannot be released through other people. God fills you uniquely for the things that he has called you to.
So friends, don't try and compare yourself to others. But say, Lord, what is it that you've called me to? And if you're not petrified or scared, if, you're not, if, 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 the, if the, the butterflies in your stomach are not flying in formation, but they are in chaos, you probably are on the right track. If you feel intimidated and nervous about what God has called you to do, that is a good thing. Because then you know that you're moving and living in the power of Holy Spirit. God fills you not to be a clone. God doesn't want you to be like somebody else. God doesn't want me to be like Gary. God doesn't want me to look off my gifts, off of my anointing, off my experience, off my testimony to be like anybody else. God doesn't want this family, real life church, to look or be like any other family. He's called us to something that is beautiful for us. God wants to reveal you as you reveal Jesus through you. If you don't know who you are, start to release the Jesus in you. And the person that God created you to be will grow and manifest. And you'll start to understand more and more who you are. Not the shame or the guilt or the inadequacies or the inferiority or those things that you think that you may be. But you will be able to realize that I am a strong and empowered and powerful releaser of the kingdom of God. And I see that. And by default, I know who I am and how God loves me. Because friends, unity is not conformity. A, unit, a unity is not uniformity. We don't want to be what other people are, but we're united in what Holy Spirit has for us. And I think that's why so many New Testament letters spend time telling us about supernatural encounters and what sets the Gospels apart. Paul writes about this in so many of his letters. Why? Because people were still confused about the identity and Holy Spirit and the power and authority that they have and that they carried. In 1 Corinthians 12 verse 1, Now dear brothers and sisters, regarding your questions about special abilities the Holy Spirit gives us, I, want you, I don't want you to misunderstand this. Paul is writing to a handful of Jesus followers who are journeying from Acts 1 to Acts 2 to Acts 3. The, he, Paul is writing to believers who are staring into heaven, confused. He says, I'm writing to you, dear brothers and sisters, so that you aren't confused about what is happening. You aren't confused about spiritual matters. You aren't confused about the spiritual gifts that God is giving you, the, these special abilities that you have into Acts 2, encountering, and then into Acts 3, releasing. I think we, 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 we rush over my dear brothers and sisters, and we go straight into, I wanting to write to you about not being confused about spiritual matters. But I think that my dear brothers and sisters is so key to the foundation, because almost every time Paul teaches on the Holy Spirit, Almost every time Paul teaches on gifts and anointing and power and authority, he anchors it in family. When Paul teaches about the gifts that we have, he anchors it in love. He anchors it in belonging. And so if Paul starts and he says, my dear brothers and sisters, when I teach you about spiritual gifts, about spiritual knowledge, knowledge about the abilities that you have, 
I want you to bring all of that in and say, I'm anchoring it into family, into love, into identity and belonging. He puts, Paul puts the context of spiritual gifts into the foundation of the context of a spiritual family. Because for the first time ever, you now have Jews and Gentiles. You have male and female. You have the masters and you have the slaves. You have the rich and you have the poor. You have the English and you have the Afrikaans sitting in gardens and couches together across the nation and the empire. For the first time ever, you have people coming together as family. For the first time ever, people are united in their identity in Jesus. They are no longer separated, they are no longer divided. And so Paul writes and he says, I'm brothers and sisters, you were, you, you were divided, you were separated, you were confused, you were all these things, you looked in different ways, you let your earthly gender, your earthly identity, you let your national grid, you let your, your tribal instincts identify who you are. But for us to move into understanding the beauty and the benefit of Holy Spirit and engaging in the kingdom of heaven, you are no longer united. You are no longer disunited. You are now united in family. You are brothers and sisters. And for us, we might gloss over that because we are so comfortable having men and women sit together. We are so comfortable. Well, I'm starting to get comfortable being able to preach in, in shorts. And I think just because we're in the garden, I, 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 take the, I take the liberty. But for these folk, I'm sure they would have been weeping. They would have been doing a Mark and a Johan and a John in church on a Sunday morning. Just because the beauty of being able to sit next to somebody that they've never been able to sit next to before. And as they do that, the signs, the wonders, the miracles, the confusion disappears and the power of Holy Spirit settles upon them. Because friends, God's family must break every divisive barrier that we know. The love of God must break every divisive barrier we know and sometimes I think we need to learn that we can't judge we can't make people feel that they have to sit outside the temple courts because they don't look like us they don't act like us they don't walk like us they don't smell like us they don't talk like us but we need to be able to say to people who are hovering outside the door of kingdom community let me extend my hand to you. Let me embrace you. Won't you look up and look at me? And as I extend my hand, as I step out over the chicken line in an act of faith, that the power of God will heal not just those who are lame, but those who are depressed, those who are so-called dysfunctional, those who are full of anxiety, those who are sick, those who are blind, those who are lonely, those who are isolated, those who feel that they don't fit in, those divisive barriers that prevent people from walking and leaping and praising God into the temple courts and the house of God.
when they're ready from them. So Paul talks, so before talk, so before Paul talks about spiritual gifts, he talks about family. I would like to suggest, I'm not adding a guarantee this one because God can do whatever God wants to do. I would suggest that more releasing of power will take place through those who are connected in on Sunday morning than those who are not. Because it's about family, it's about unity, it's about equipping, it's about learning, it's about training, it's about, I'm not saying the, 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 the act of it, I'm saying the encouragement to stand up and release what you don't feel that you have yet. It's, it's a stepping over the chicken line, it's the testimonies. Hugely significant for where I believe God is taking us as a community, as a church for next year. Because before we can discover our spiritual power, we need to discover our spiritual family. Too many people want the spiritual power, but not the spiritual family. Too many people want the pulpit, the paycheck, and the platform, but don't want the accountability of dear brothers and sisters. Let me help you not be confused about these, about these matters, but place you into a family and a community where humility and power and glory will thrive. Before you embrace spiritual gifting, you have to embrace spiritual family. I'm even tempted to, to say that before you can receive your spiritual healing, you need to receive your spiritual family. I'm not saying it's 100% because God can do whatever God does. But there is something significant that over and over again, we are encouraged and reminded that spiritual family is key to releasing the power of God and reveling in the power of God. I would suggest that for many, we are not walking in our design. I would suggest that for many, we are not walking in our mandates. I would suggest that for many, you're not walking in your mission. And I'm, I'm saying this, I'm trying, to be, I'm trying to be kind, you know, so I'm just suggesting that for many. But the reality is, if you're not walking your mission, if you are not walking in your design, the reason why you are not walking in your promise, the reason why you are not walking in your gifting is because you're not walking in your spiritual family. Maybe a little bit harsher, so now we go quiet. But, but there's something significant in that because God releases power in family. And so, Father, I want more of you, so I choose more of your family. Father, I want more power, I choose your family. Father, I want more signs, wonders, and miracles, I choose your family because the kingdom of heaven is about family. Because, friends, if I've not settled my belonging before God, I'll use my power to get love from people instead of being able to give people love. If I'm not secure and settled in the belonging of family, I can use my gifts for self-edification and self-promotion rather than being able to love the other people first. Family keeps us rooted in humility and godly accountability and perspective. Family allows us to draw the gold 
out in one another. Because friends, if I have not settled my belonging, I will, prove, I will use my power not to prove Jesus, but to prove myself. My biggest thing is character. And your commitment, your covenant, unconditional commitment to the family of God is a sign of character. It's a sign of, I'm not putting me first. I'm going to arrive on a Sunday morning and serve because I have a covenant commitment to family because God releases signs, wonders, miracles, identity, mission, mandate, gifting, power, authority through family by His Holy Spirit. I come into community trying to show off for people or impress people with my gifts or my abilities or my whatever rather than serve people with my gifts. Family helps us take our eyes off ourselves and put it on others. The gift of hospitality is not about me, it's about my family. Why? Because orphans always use power to get what they want or to get what they think they need. If you're not connected in family, you're operating in an orphan spirit. And then you wonder why you are not being released and you're not having fulfillment and you're not being filled and overflowing and, and, and having the signs, wonders, testimonies, breakthroughs. Because you're not in family, you're operating in an orphan spirit. Break off that orphan spirit, get connected into a family, get connected into the family of God and the life of God will flow more through you. Sons and daughters who are anchored in family, Paul says, brothers and sisters anchored in family will use their power and authority and the mandate of heaven not to get what they need, but to help others get what they need. And when you do that, you will overflow. Outreach on Saturday, be it feeding people in the food programs that we do, be it supernatural art and outreach on Saturday, it's not so that you can get what you need, it's understanding what you have and releasing it so that other people can get what they need. Outreach on Sunday is not about you, it's about the others. It's being able to say, I have what I have, I'm going to, re I I'm going to release what I have. And friends, when you release what you have and you see other people get what you need, you will go home on cloud Jesus. You will feel such a sense of the beauty. If you haven't had a God moment, if you feel dry, then this is the, don't go read another book. Don't go listen to another podcast. Have an encounter and go release the power of Holy Spirit. Get a testimony. Is Getting a testimony is the best, only beautiful thing that you can do to not feel dry. Read another book, you'll have more con condemnation. Read another book, you'll feel more, more guilty. Hang around with half a dozen pastors, you'll think that your church is too small, you're too ineffective, you don't make enough money. I, I, I should press pause now, but like, I'm supposed to be seeing a couple of people in the next week or two, and I'll just say, actually, I'm not ready to see you until next year. Because I know those meetings are not going to be positive for me. And I'm in a space where I want to be positive. I want to release. I'm not going to go and meet other people at the moment who are just going to make me feel bad and unworthy and guilty and condemned. 
So I said, press pause. I'm tapping out of our coffees until next year. You know, I'm prioritizing my health, my spiritual well-being, my empowerment, my releasing, so that I can make sure that together we lead. So whether you've got a title, whether you need a bigger church than me, you're not, you're not pouring life into me. So tap out in January, I'll see you. But at the moment, I'm seeing people who are full of Jesus. You know, I, I, I want to see your Holy Spirit measurement, not just your, your church attendance. That might have sounded a little bit bad. And those were the people in, in Russia and Bogner Regis and uh, I'm so sorry, the reality is I didn't get my visa. I didn't get my visa in time. Mm. Please remind me to go and edit. Because <laughs> the kingdom of God embraces family. And when we embrace family, we embrace the kingdom of God. Because the kingdom of God always finds delight before design. We always find delight before design. When we try to find our design outside the delight of God, when we try and do without understanding the empowerment, when we, when we try and do before we've overcome the confusion, because remember, I'm not saying to all of us that we have to be in Acts 3. There are too many people in Acts 1. And as long as you understand that you're in Acts 1, where you are confused about Holy Spirit, about signs, wonders, miracles, you're looking up into the to heavens, where on earth is Jesus gone? What on earth is happening around us? You know, Jesus, won't you come and do for me and, because I don't know how to do it myself? That's okay, as long as you know where you are. So being in Acts 1 is okay if you know that you're in Acts 1. But don't, don't sit camp and make your home in Acts 1. And then people moving from Acts 1 into Acts 2. I want to receive the power. I have received the power. I'm reveling in the beauty of God. Isn't this just so amazing? I've never had goosebumps before. I've never laughed like that before. I've never swung my leg like that before. I've never fallen over that, like that before. I've never, whatever the case would be. If that's where you are, just drink it and get totally consumed and drunk and enjoy the goodness of God. Because if you've just been involved with religion so long, you need to stew and marinate in that for a good chunk of time and if that's where you are enjoy it but we have to move from acts 2 where we are just filled with holy spirit to acts 3 where we are releasing holy spirit and so even for outreach on saturday just say to the person that you're with stew i'm an acts one i'm confused about this don't make me be Acts 2 and 3. Let's be real. This is real life church. And then, I'm, then I'll say, that's fine. You just come and watch. Don't release what you don't have. It'll just hurt you. It'll make you more confused. So just come as, as Acts 1 people and look and get over the confusion. And if you're in Acts 2 and you're full of Holy Spirit, but you're not ready to release it, then just come sit, sit next to me and just pray and laugh and giggle and swing a leg and let the Holy Spirit be manifest in the gazebo and then let Acts 3 people release and pray for the healing and the prophetic art and, and everything else because when those people leave and go home they're not going to say oh my goodness it was a guy called Stuart they'll go actually my, my goodness there was a kingdom community who did kingdom like I've never done before and we operate in family we have the X1, X2, and X3 people together being able to do it. There's a beauty in that. There's a legacy 
in that because we delight in God first. Because when we try and find our design outside the delight of God, we pervert our design. It becomes about me, mine. It becomes about the counterfeit. We get okay with faking in the confusion and we pervert the power of God. We have a whole generation of people, friends, who are seeking God. We have a whole generation of people who are seeking a family, who are seeking a community. We have generations of people who are hovering outside the gates of the temple, waiting to be empowered, waiting for healing, waiting for acceptance, waiting for somebody to put out a hand, waiting for people to say, look at me. What I have is worth giving that they too can come into the kingdom. I believe we have churches that are full of people searching for their identity. I think we have people in real life church searching for their identity. Because they focus on an orphan spirit. Because friends, when people don't find their delight in God, they'll find their delight elsewhere. When people don't find their delight in the kingdom of God, they'll find their delight in the kingdom of darkness. If they can't find their delight in the authentic, they'll find their, their delight in the fake and the counterfeit. And sometimes the marketing department of the devil is more attractive than the marketing department of heaven. Because they're genuine about what they are. We just, uh, we're just here to knock out fake goods that only last six months and then they'll break. But we need to be authentic. We're here as family for a lifetime. We don't want a quick fix solution. We trust that God will heal you, but the restoration and the moving from Acts 1 to Acts 2 to Acts 3 may take longer. But we're here for the genuine. We're here for the real. We're here for real life. So brothers, sisters, I used to really dislike that word. When, when people go to me, hello, my brother. You know, I, I probably, I, I'm guilty of that because I don't like brother. But I always say, hello, mighty man. It's just also my excuse because I can't remember your name. You know, so hello, mighty man. I'm just a little bit more modern than the hello, brothers and sisters. But the reality is I'm hanging around with groups of people more and more who just use hello, my brother on such a regular basis. And I go, oh, okay. You know, and I'm thinking, do you not know my name? You know, and I even had to say, I even said to one friend once, do you know what Mark's name is? You know, because you just never call a Mark. He's like, no, but he's my brother. He's my brother. Yeah. <laughs> but the reality is there's something wonderful when this group of people have just declared, hello, my brother, hello, my sister, hello, my brother, hello, my family, hello, my partner, hello, and they've just declared that over us so long. And so yesterday, Hannah's, Hannah's came out of um, quarantine. She was in quarantine because she was COVID positive. And not driving for such a long time, her car was flat. And so she's like, you know, it's amazing how they don't want you unless they need you. <laughs> yeah. And so Hannah phones and says, Dad, my car won't start. So I go, well, phone a friend. 
you know, you, 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 you are in Pretoria, you are, you are in res with like 50% men, you know, make a plan. He's like, no, I can't and blah, blah, blah. I said, don't worry, I've got a brother. So I just put out on our WhatsApp group to all my brothers who live in Pretoria, my daughter needs her car sorted. And within a couple of minutes, Daryl and Francois and Donald and a couple of the dead she love guys sent a message back and saying, my brother, how can I look after our daughter? Where are you? What do you need? And 10 minutes later, they were there and a car was sorted and made right and everything. And then they said, okay, fine. You know, you're driving back to Johannesburg in the morning. This is my number. Phone me. If, if it doesn't start again, just phone me and I'll be here because we, we, your dad's my brother. And I go, actually, that might not have been somebody getting out of a wheelchair, but it was the family of God operating his kingdom. Where my daughter and more importantly her friends were able to say, actually, how on earth did your dad do that in 10 minutes? And has Elsa actually, it, it's because there's a family that operate together. And so I just want to, yeah. God wants to release power through family. With a spirit of adoption, a spirit of belonging. None of us are orphans. We are sons and we are daughters. We are brothers and sisters. And the next week I'm going to continue with the rest of that verse where Paul says, regarding your question about special abilities that the Spirit gives us, I don't want you to misunderstand that. But won't you stand? I'm just wanting to, to pray for us and trust that we break off some poor identity. <clears throat> oh! <clears throat> Thank you, Holy Spirit. First and foremost, I break of all guilt, I break of all shame. For those who are here or online, who like that layman, was looking at the ground and didn't want to look at Peter and John, because his identity was wrapped up in his situation, his, his circumstances, his failures, I break that off all of us right now. Even if it is just in some parts of our lives, it affects every part of our lives. So I break off any sense of judgment, of unworthiness, of hurts, of lack, of inadequacies, of failure. I break all of that off now in the name of Jesus Christ. And I can declare the fa I can declare the, the, the declaration, but for the declaration to have merit or power, it's got to be received. So wherever you are, if that applies to you in any which way, why don't you just receive it and break it off your own life. Father, I thank you that you have not called us 
to be orphans, but you've called us to be adopted into your family. Father, we choose to move from a group of people who are Acts 1 focused, being unsure about the spiritual gifts of Holy Spirit, of authentic power, into Acts 2, where we can feel and be empowered by your Holy Spirit. If you are in Acts 1, or if you are in Acts 2, where you are either confused or unsure about spiritual power and giftings, won't you raise your hand? And I'm going to pray, Lord, I, I pray for all of those who are unsure or confused about spiritual giftings, about spiritual anointings, about spiritual manifestations, about the outworking of the divine union we have of Holy Spirit in us. Won't you come and begin and speed up the process of removing the confusion and restoring a conviction of the power of Holy Spirit. If you're on Acts 2 and you have felt, are feeling, or want to feel more of the manifest power and presence and reveling and revealing of Holy Spirit, won't you raise your hands? If you're on Acts 3 and you feel comfortable and secure that you are involved and adopted into family and kingdom and that you have designed and desired to release kingdom, won't you please go and quickly put on your masks and then go and pray for those who would like a receiving, won't you go and release what you have?
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Uh-oh! More of you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. Father, I just release power, authority over all those who are watching online, no matter where you are. May your commitment to move from Acts 1 to Acts 2 to Acts 3 be grounded in the beauty and the love that Jesus has for you. May you experience signs, wonders, and miracles this week as your family is expanded. And we just declare favor and glory over you all. As we continue ministering here, we declare favor over each and every one of you in his awesome name. Amen. Thank you for listening. 